Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Father God, would you open the word to us and our hearts to hear it? We ask, Lord, not only that we would understand, but that you would, you would call us forth. You would prophetically speak to us and challenge us, Lord, and draw us out to obey your word. We love your word and we, we move forward. And I pray for the grace to speak it faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going, to, I'm going to simply read a few verses here, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not expositing these verses. I'm just going to draw out some terms, and I want you to see that. And this is what the Lord has shown me. I, I, was, I was puzzled over what he was saying. I've just been reading through this whole sections of, of the book of Acts and, and passing over words and not spotting them. And the Lord sh- said, I want you to see these words today. And here, here it comes. So when they went... Were, I'm in verse 30 of chapter 15. When they were sent away, this is that group of representatives from Antioch down at the Jerusalem council. They're going back to Antioch with the letter that we just saw last week. They, delivered, uh, they gathered the congregation to, the, together and they delivered the letter. And when they'd read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And it says, Judas and Silas. Now, these are two of the Jerusalem leaders who went up carrying this letter to present it. It says, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. Don't you like that word lengthy? Would you say prophets? Yeah, that's one of those words I passed over. Judas and Silas being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out back to Jerusalem. Seemed good to Silas to remain there. He stays up in Antioch. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching. Would you say teaching and preaching? Teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. So that the words I see in there, I see prophets, I see teachers, I see preachers. I be, in fact, I'm looking at a whole group where there's apostles. I'm, I'm looking at these different kinds of people, and I'm just passing by them. And the Lord wanted us to have a look at it today. We're going to talk about God-given people. God knows all things. Even before he made the world, he knew every person who would come to him. He knew who would respond when he called us, and he knew we would we would sin and be damaged. But because he's God, he knew he could rescue us, heal us, and train us until we would fulfill our destiny. See, he knew you'd sin. He knew you'd make mistakes. He knew you'd fall. That wasn't a problem to him. He knew that before he made the worlds. He knew you. This is God. He knew your name. He, wa- he knew he'd loved you before you existed. And he knew you'd sin. And he knew you'd blow it. And he knew people would do stuff to you. And he knew you'd come damaged. That wasn't a problem. There was a very specific reason that God decided to create us. 
He wanted a huge family of sons and daughters. And he wanted them to become just like his divine son, Jesus. That paragraph is basically Romans 8, 28 and 29. I didn't get, I just, so I didn't make that up. That's just straight Bible in my words. When we repent and believe in Jesus Christ, each of us steps into a divinely ordained process that begins to change us immediately and will continue to change us until the day we die. As our Heavenly Father, God guides everything that happens to us so that it will move us toward his goal. He doesn't bring every ugly thing into our life, but our Heavenly Father uses everything to form us into a particular goal. He is the Lord of our lives, which is to make us more and more like Jesus. We still have a will, so we can slow this process down. And since he doesn't make us his slaves, it's even possible to leave him. But as long as we are his, he keeps moving us toward our destiny. He's unrelenting. The plan never changes. The outcome was set before the worlds were made. What's going to happen to you? Where you're going to end up? What you will look like has already been preordained. There's no options here. There's no plan B. There's no exit ramp. There's no way out. When you say yes to the Lord, you say yes to a, to a program for your life that is absolutely unrelenting. The outcome was set before the worlds were made and to help us reach this goal, God has given us gifts through his son and these gifts are people. Would you say People. Yeah, we all think of gifts as being spiritual gifts and blessings and things like that. But one, I'm going to show you a passage today in which the gifts of God are people that he puts in our lives. People, not, 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 not powers, not blessings, not finances. They are people. Ephesians 4, go with me there if you will. This is really the passage that I'm, I'm dealing with today. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm start at verse 6. We're talking about how we are all part of, of one family. One, we are joined together ir, uh, ir, irreparably, Paul is saying. We have one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then he says about this Father, but to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a captive, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So he's quoting from the Psalms, and he is showing us the Messiah in the resurrection, rising up out of death. He 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 died, and in and he, then in his in his resurrection. He became a triumphant Lord. And he took enemies captive. And this triumphant Lord gave gifts to his followers. You see the picture? Picture a, a, like a, a great Roman general or something who's, who's, just, who's just won a battle. And he's coming, uh, presented to, the, to his city or whatever, and he's giving gifts. He's triumphant. He's got his enemies behind him, you know, in, in chains. And he's riding in and he's giving great gifts to his people. Paul presents uh, 
Christ that way. He says, when he ascended, he, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then he talks about this expression, verse 9, he ascended. What does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. Uh, he who had descended is himself. He who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Uh, Peter actually explains further, Jesus, when he died, somehow in the spirit declared his victory to the spiritual world. Uh, he, to captives, I'm not going to go in there, but there's entire theology there. But he declared his victory and, and, and that he was Lord and, and they were in captivity to him. And he rose and gave gifts to men. Verse, verse 11. Now, he's, Paul's going to describe the gifts. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Would you read 11 with me? And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now he will talk about what these gifts of people are supposed to accomplish in us. For the equipping of the saints for the work of, the, of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This resurrected Christ gave gifts to his church. He gave people. He gave these kinds of people. And they were given to the church so that they could cause the church to mature, to become the, the body of Christ that is supposed to be fitted together, working in harmony, and so that we could all know the Lord in a relational way. That's the word he's using there. We could have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. God places people in our lives to help us grow. These are people who he has specially prepared for this work. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, to every, says, every believer has been given abundant grace because of what Jesus did for us when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. At that moment, God gave him authority over all his enemies. And as our triumphant Lord, Jesus gave us wonderful gifts. Then Paul names those gifts. Read, this is my translation. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, and teachers. And then he describes why God gave, uh, gives these people to us. Read this with me. For the restoring and fitting together of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all arrive at the unity of the faith and the full knowledge that comes from a relationship of the Son of God. For a completely matured man, for the measure of adulthood of the fullness of Christ. Do you hear the, you hear the divine plan? Do you hear the divine plan? This is where you're going. This is where we're all going, together and individually. There is a predestined situation in which God is forming us into this. And Paul has just told us that one important piece of that is that the resurrected Christ has given to his church people who will help us grow. People who will help heal us and strengthen us. The people God gives. I think you know these categories. Now, just hold, hold on to your horses. You probably know where you think I'm going and you don't. 
Okay. There's a word, there's a word here. And I, I don't think you don't know. Most of you don't know these categories. I'm just going to, that's why I'll do it briefly. But let's, let's hear them. Paul lists five types of people that Jesus gives to his church. So let's try to understand who they are. Number one, apostles. Jesus was the first one to send out apostles. He selected 12 disciples, taught them, trained them to do what he had been doing, let them witness his death and resurrection, baptized them with the Holy Spirit, and then sent them out to make more disciples and plant churches. And then as we read the book of Acts, we watch as more people are selected and sent out to do the same thing. These were very mature spiritually gifted people, capable of raising up disciples who had repented, believed on Jesus Christ, and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they organized them into churches. We see it all through the book of Acts. There are these people, and they're not just any old buddies, but they're people who have been trusted by the church and set out uh, to, uh, to do this work. Notice I stated the thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I actually believe that was an essential for an apostle. Uh, if you remember uh, Acts 8, we saw Philip, and the Bible called him, do you remember the term it used? An evangelist. Evangelist. Philip was quite good at bringing people to Christ. He, he functioned in miracles and power. He, he functioned in the authority to cast out devils. He had, he had great crowds, and he would get people uh, to receive Christ, and he would water baptize them. But remember, Philip had something he couldn't seem to do. He couldn't seem to get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so two apostles, Peter and John, came down from Jerusalem up north to, to um, Sebast is the, is the Roman name. I can't remember what the, the, the other one, but the Samaria. And they, what did they do? They laid hands on everybody and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In the early church, that is an extremely significant part of the equation. You do not bring people to Christ without seeing them baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. All right, these apostles, this is their job, is to, to plant churches and to see people brought into full development. They're able to be put in a city where there's no Christians at all, start something, and they have the character, the maturity, that you want more of them. In other words, whoever they are, they're the kind of people that people can follow and imitate. You can become like that person and be a good Christian. They have solid theology. They're not going to lead you astray. They're going to get you genuinely saved. And they're going to teach you to, to develop in your own calling. That's a very special person. What might we call those people today? They, are, they do mentor, absolutely. I'm thinking missionary. The kind, not all missionaries, but church planting missionaries in the United States or somewhere else. We, there are people that are sent out untrusted, saying, go and you, you plant a church there. There are people who go into countries and nations and cities where, there, where there's, there's almost nothing else going on. And they're still doing that. Aren't we grateful for men and women like that? Uh, yes, these men and women had authority because they knew the word. They were solid in it. Uh, such people still do. But, but it's, not, it's not a five-star general. It's a particular uh, gifting and calling. Number two, prophets. The next group of people Paul lists are prophets. We know that all believers are capable of prophesying. But it's also true that Jesus specifically gifts certain people for this ministry. A prophet is someone who is able to present what God wants to say in that moment. 
and to call people to believe or obey. They're able to hear God through one avenue or another. Hear. They, some people uh, hear God speaking things uh, or, or they see visions. Or some people see words. Uh, they feel the heart of God. Or recognize him at work um, in, in some situation or something that's in front of them. Or, or through the scripture of a particular verse is quickened to them. How many of you know people like this? Uh, everybody can, but there's certain people that simply seem to be hearing from the Lord and, and they communicate. How many of you recognize this kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it is absolutely. All of these things uh, continue on in the body of Christ. It's part of his eternal plan. So we, and then they are able to communicate what they've heard. God uses them to build up people's faith call people to repentance or to comfort people who are sad or tired. Through them, God can reveal in a moment things that have hindered or harassed us for years. Because they speak directly to God on God's behalf, a prophet must be very humble and wise. That's not always the case. Uh, a prophet can do a great deal of damage, uh, but a good prophet is an enormous blessing. You know good prophets? Yeah. I mean, prophetic, the healing and deliverance ministry on Wednesday nights functions prophetically a great deal. Uh, not just some little formula, but sitting saying, God, what are you saying? Uh, we're very picky about who sits on those teams. Uh, we don't let people sit on those teams. We have, if, if, just because they've been a Christian longer than we've been alive, that kind of thing. Uh, we've heard that kind of line many times. Uh, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You've got you to show me that you've got the character and the wisdom to handle this gift. Because, man, when you start saying, thus saith the Lord, you can knife people to pieces. Some of the dumbest things in the world I've, I've seen have been, thus saith the Lord. Apparently, the Lord doesn't have much good sense. So, a good prophet, a mature prophet, someone who can wisely evaluate and be careful of what they say and when is a tremendous gift. All of a sudden, God can just start saying, here's an, here's an issue in a heart, and someone's set free from something that they have been tied with for years. It's a blessing. Prophets. What were Silas and Judas again? Prophets. And they strengthened and comforted them with, with a lengthy message. Hallelujah, you think I go long. <laughs> Evangelists. Paul uses the word evangelist here to describe someone who's specially gifted to tell unbelievers the good news about Jesus Christ. Mention Philip and invite them to respond. They are drawn to those who don't know Jesus and are able to show them that they need God's mercy to explain in simple terms what Jesus has done for them and to passionately invite them to repent and believe. How many of you know people who, who have that evangelistic heart? They just, it's just you can't stop them. They're just always on the lookout for souls. Aren't we grateful for them? All of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. None of us are off the hook that we don't share our faith. But some people are simply gifted at it. We used to have a woman in Oak Harbor uh, and the church there. And all I would do is I, in my children's program, um, older woman, but I, I just say, oh, I just want you to go into the room and then I'm going to close the door behind you. And I would put her in that room of children. And she, when she walked out at the end of the service, we would have had eight, nine decisions for Christ. Very genuine. 
Very genuine. That woman just had the gift, man. You put her in the room. The children loved her. And she would share Christ in such a way they would get it. They would respond. And people would come to the Lord. There's, we have people, such people in this church. Uh, there's just a wonderful anointing. A wonderful blessing. Aren't we grateful for them? Pastors. The word we translate as pastor means shepherd. It's someone who leads God's flock. A shepherd leads a flock to food and water, protects them from predators, gathers in those who stray and heals those who are sick or wounded. Wherever Paul planted a church, he appointed elders. He also called these overseers. And they were appointed to teach and and lead, which of course was to be done humbly and by being a good example of the Christian life. The Bible is not afraid of having leaders. It is not afraid of having elders and using the word, uh, we, we translate it bishop, episcopate, but overseers, people who did that. We, we've just watched Paul and Barnabas as they, they ended up at Derby. They turned around there in those Galatian churches and went right back through all those churches where they'd been persecuted so badly and went to each one, met with the congregations again, taught them and appointed elders in each one. They never left a congregation without appointed, recognized leaders. That's not very American. We want to vote on everything. But I'm just saying, that's the way the early church functioned. They did have leaders, and they, weren't, they didn't back away from it. Teachers. There are people who know how to study the Bible and teach people so that they, too, can understand it. All of us come to God with confusion and deception in our thinking. We don't really know who he is or who we are, and we need people who can teach us the truth. We need people who can show us the promises in the Bible and challenge us to grow in faith. We need people who will let the Bible expose our sin and call us to repentance. We need people who will repeatedly remind us of the power of Jesus' cross to forgive us and set us free. There are people who are gifted and called as teachers. How many of you know someone who's a teacher? Yeah, about four of you. Now, now, as I'm going through this list, I'm sure you're all going, okay, I know what he is. And I am, I'm a teacher. Why do I write a daily Bible study in the hope to explain the Bible, you know, so that you know? You need to know something. When I was called to to this church, the Lord told me specifically my assignment. He said that area of Seattle and all, he said, has very few disciples. He said the churches are built on, on, well, the word was gimmicks. And honestly, when I, it was. There was false teachings. There was things that were feeding the uh, appetites of people, tickling their ears. It was was marketing. And you had people, and here's, here's what makes a disciple. There is that deep, heartfelt relationship with Jesus Christ. There's the filling of the Holy Spirit. And there is a commitment and a knowledge of the Word of God. If you don't know the Bible, you simply don't, you don't have a foundation. So my, my responsibility, he said, what I want you to do is make disciples. And I understood even then 
that people would be leaving from here and going elsewhere, and, and that that was even part of his, his plan, but that I was to put as much Bible in people as I can. You need to know that I push you as far as I think you'll tolerate it. I, I mean, I do. Uh, I, not only am I not working on what, what's an attractional model and that you, you might like, I'm trying to think, what can I do? That I, how far can I get them in this book? How much can I teach them? No, notice when I preach to you, I spend the first portion of it usually pounding through the scriptures. And I do as much of that as I think you'll tolerate without walking out on me. <laughs> I do. It's not that I'm trying, because in my mind, I take you very seriously. I believe that you are disciples. I believe you are important to the body of Christ. I believe that what you, you're, the solidity in you and the gifting and calling in you is absolutely essential to what God wants to do, not only in this church, but at large. I don't fully understand it, but I know my assignment. The daily Bible studies, pushing you through so much scripture, even in the sermon. And then I get to, to, the, to the, actually the prophetic part, the applicational part. But, I, but I'm always pushing down that row, getting the word of God in us. I love it myself. It's what feeds me. Don't you need it? Yes. Doesn't the Bible correct your thinking? I mean, I think we all wilt. We, we, all, we all grow like a plant and then it's like we do this. And, and, and God has to come along with the word of God and, and just cut stuff off and, and put us back. He says, if you turn right or left, I'll, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk you in it. And, and, and right and left is the wrong ways, by the way. It's what it means in the Bible. It's not just given directions. It says, when you turn off my path, my straight path, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. And, and I think the Bible does that to us. I think as we keep reading it and, and hearing it, I, I'm always reading and going, oh man, oh man. You know, aren't you? Yeah. But it's, what is it doing? It's correcting my thinking, bringing me back to truth, bringing me back to faith, bringing me back to hope, cleansing my brains, getting me back on track. So I'm just pounding at you with this thing because I'm a teacher. Sorry. How many know teachers? Aren't we grateful for them most of the time? Yeah. <laughs> you can overdo it. Jesus still gives these gifts today because we still need them. And so does the world. Apostles need to be sent out to plant churches. Prophets need to let us hear God speak so he can build us up and call us to obey and comfort our weary hearts. Evangelists need to win the lost and encourage us all to do the same. We need pastors who will lead us kindly and faithfully so that we will grow and fulfill our calling. And we need teachers who will accurately teach us God's word so our minds can be renewed. There is a simple but very profound truth that confronts us as we observe the early church. They were willing to let people lead and care for them. They were willing to work together as part of a community. We could argue that they were naive and hadn't yet experienced the abuse unhealthy leaders can subject us to. And it's certainly true. We all need to exercise real caution about who we allow to speak into our lives. But for those of us who come from difficult religious backgrounds or other situations where leaders abused us, we can put up such a defensive wall. We won't allow God to bring these people into our lives. We isolate ourselves and try to mature ourselves by ourselves. 
We refuse to let him give us the gifts he wants to give us. Do you hear where I'm going? I felt this Lord, from the Lord prophetically. I mean, as this emerged, this word came to me. And he's saying that many, many people have been damaged. You have seen abusive leaders uh, in, in a church, outside the church, in situations. And, and what it's done is it's caused us to pull, put up a wall and simply say, never again. Never again. I'm just not going to expose myself to that ever again. Of course, we need to be wise, discerning, careful in what we receive and from whom. But that's not the same thing as being defensive and distrustful of everyone. People weren't perfect back then either. They made mistakes and their flesh was as bad as ours. Yet God was still able to work through them to grow his people. Some of us have become very tired of being alone. And we long for people who will love us and care for us. And what the word of God says to us today is that such people do exist. God has seen to it. They are part of his great plan to mold us into the image of his son. What we must do is let him confirm to our hearts who they are and then take down that wall and let them in. This is not a plea for you to follow me. This is something that, what, that the Lord showed me the sense that many, many of us, just in the church at large, not just particular people, you, I, I don't know who, but that there was a wall around us because we've been so wounded. I got my own history with wounding. And we all can put up that wall. I, I was raised with a real strong ethic that you, you do not trust male leadership in any form. Nothing in my life has particularly proven that to be wrong. But the Lord did speak to me. And he said, That's, we're enough of this. He said, I'm, uh, uh, you will listen to me carefully. But where I put you, I will put you with leaders over you. And you will submit to them. If it's immoral, if it's illegal, if it's just unbiblical, you do not need to follow them. But if you simply disagree with them, or are impatient with them, you will cooperate and you will submit to leadership. Early on as a young man, he put me in a, a private boys' school. And they made me say, yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I'm going to tell you, I can still remember the first time those words came out of my mouth. I, this is a kid grown with a single mom, taught to distrust male leadership. And I've got to say to a man, yes, sir. It, I mean, it, it must have sounded like a hiss. It's... I mean, I had to cough it out. Yes, sir. I mean, that was so degrading. I mean, I, you know. What was God doing? He was breaking my pride and f my fear. And what he said is, you will find that I, I do not, I'm not asking you to submit to, in a sense, to the person. I'm asking you to submit to me and trust me that I will not allow you to be damaged. 
through people. If, if, there's, if there's such a thing, I will, I will remove you. But I want you to trust me behind this. And what I have found is that in learning to submit to people and imperfect people, God has used them to mold me. And I needed them in my life. I still do. I still submit to people. I still patiently deal with situations where I think I don't know what they're waiting for. Don't get me started. But it still requires me to say yes, sir. And it's allowed me to, to, to receive from others with a filter, but to receive from others. There are many people that God calls in this church as pastors. There are many people in this church and that are called to be teachers. There are many people who are gifted as prophets. There are many people who are evangelists. There are people, I think, who are called and, and, being, and developed all through the church of Jesus Christ as apostles. Will we let them speak into our lives? Or has our history so wounded us that we close down? The word of God, if you listen to it carefully, and I didn't do any damage to it. So there is a divine plan for your life and mine to develop us into the full stature of Jesus Christ. I mean, he's going to go as far as he can in this lifetime. Don't just think heaven. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, you know, a, a spiritual midget, and then I'll die, and I'll be something glorious on the other side. No, no, he's, he's maturing you now. You're growing as a woman of God, a man of God now. He's moving you as far as he can get you in this life. Not just the next. So he's, and how is he going to do it? It was very clear, wasn't it? The ascended Christ gives gifts to his church. And those gifts are called apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Men and women, full of the Holy Spirit, trained and matured to care for us. Not perfect. Not perfect. Not always, not always wise. But put into our lives. To speak into our lives. To grow us into the full stature of Christ. They're part of God's divine plan. And if the wall's gone up. The word today. Is you and I need to discern carefully. Who has God put in our lives like that? Because I guarantee you this, in his faithfulness to you, there are such people. In his commitment to your growth, which is unalterable, he has put such people in your life. And frankly, he's turning you into one too. In someone else's life. That's how the church works. You're being developed in those areas specifically as well. Father God, what a wonderful father you are. What a loving father you are. We, we all today, just as your disciples, your sons and daughters, are delighted with your fatherhood. We are delighted with your plan. We are so grateful that you have predestined us from the foundations of the earth to become like your beloved, only begotten son. We want to be like Jesus. We want all those virtues, all of that faith and that kindness. 
We want the, the, the courage and the, and the grace of the Spirit at work in us just like Him. And the day will come, we're going to shine with the glory of God in a resurrected body and look just like Him. It's amazing. And you, resurrected Lord, have given us gifts. Today, as we're reading through this precious book of Acts, we see those men and women at work. And we hear the Holy Spirit invite us to open our hearts afresh to the gifts you've given us, to the people you've put in our lives. I pray today for anyone where there's been a wall built up, where there's been wounds, where there's been an open heart which has been misused and abused, that Lord's cynicism defensiveness and that, 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 that terrible words never again would be taken away and that we would be able to trust you to work through human beings in growing us in Christ. I'm not going to ask for hands or anything, but if it, you'll know who you are. You'll know if that's there. And you might just say to him, my father, I trust you. I, I trust you to bring people into my life. And I am willing to risk, as it were. I'm willing to open again to hear your voice and to let people speak into my life and care for me. I am weary with being alone. I'm tired of trying to grow myself by myself. Holy Spirit, I welcome your precious people. Come, Lord, heal us. Heal us and free us. Me too. We receive it in Jesus' powerful name. If that's your prayer, if you agree with me, would you say amen? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.